When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars. Or fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson, back in front door, shot, score! Ray Bork. Score! Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindland. Fired it down and Whitmore blew it. He bounces down to Bergeron. He takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar. The snapshot over the Rossi gets loose and Bergeron scores! Hello Bruins fans and welcome back for episode 12 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is the Wayne Cashman edition and I'm your host Mark Allred and I'd like to welcome back Rob Tomlin who's joining us, joining the show from 3,100 miles away in the United Kingdom. Rob, thanks again for uh, joining me. Oh, no worries man, thanks again for having me. Absolutely, always like to talk hockey uh, from uh, anybody uh, around the world, no matter what I'm about talking Boston hockey yeah. so uh um a little bit of good news on my behalf i hate to take the moment and and you know uh glam myself but i recently uh got a job at the hockerwriters.com website and i'm kind of excited about that yeah congrats on that man you you really deserve it yeah i uh it's i've been i've been blogging for i, I believe close to six years now and I started off um, uh, at, at some low-grade, low good content websites, such as uh, GetRealHockey.com. Uh, I moved on to Last Word on Sports and Fan Sided. And yeah. so it's, it's, it's been a long journey, and I'm, I love what I do, and I'm really, really happy for the opportunity to... Uh, bring my game to a very high level because this is a very respected website that gets about i, I think uh, when i talked to the editor-in-chief um he said that they get about uh two to four million um web hits a month so wow that's huge yeah. that is huge. yeah that's a lot of people reading so yeah that's and good. it's 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 a it's a very i i love sharing that stuff um as as much as uh I like to share uh, local media and and what they have to uh, to offer, but um, these guys are a, a door opener per se. Yeah. So I'm excited, looking forward to the opportunity, and I uh, can't wait. So um, I d- I want to jump right in on um, on an article I read on May fifth uh, from. A uh, writer in Detroit from the Detroit News, Ted Coughlin, and yeah. he 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 wrote in a piece that about Stephen Stamkos and um and his upcoming free agency, uh, which is uh, he's going to be a free he's slated to be a free agent uh, July first. So he believes that the hometown Maple Leaf, his hometown Maple Leafs are 
the top team that are going to go after him. But he also states that the Sabres, Bruins, Canadians, Canucks, and Rangers are amongst others that are going to be aggressively seeking the um, the talents of uh, of Stephen Samkos. I'm just kind of curious on how you feel about something uh, like a rumor like that. I'm not big on rumors. You, you probably know that. I, I, I think it's complete bullshit unless um, it's, you know, coming from a good source. But yeah. I, how do how, how how do you feel about that? Uh, just to be honest, I see it as a joke. Every uh, you'll see teams that are struggling, like the Bruins, because we're we're on the cusp of the playoffs every year if we're not making it in. So every time you get a team like that where they need that one player to be a better team or they need that couple of players, you always see these names pop up, like the big names that are going around, the ones that will be leaving. You saw it with the Druin when he asked for a trade. Uh, Boston was mentioned in a lot of that, but I just don't see it happening. He's going he's gonna to want a long-term deal, seven to nine million. I don't see us being able to afford that and being able to keep guys like Krug and everyone else so I just don't see it happening yeah no way. I I'm I'm on the same I'm on the same I'm in the same boat with you when it comes to um the reality of the of the topic um he's he's making 7.5 right now and yeah. he's and he's you know he's gonna want an exceptional increase oh yeah I mean I'm I'm thinking Kane Taves money at 10 million yeah, probably. Like nine, I'm saying that like seven to nine million is probably what Tampa are looking to pay for him, for him to stay at Tampa. But if he goes to a different team, I see, I see somewhere like Toronto just dumping cap on him, just giving him as much as he wants. Right. So, it, it it's not something the Bruins can afford, and I think any Bruins fans that are getting stuck into that need to realize that you're going to lose out on half of your team just from signing that guy. You're going to have, it's going to be worse than last year. You're going to have so many young kids on the team that don't have NHL experience. So in my book, I wouldn't even go after him. I wouldn't even talk to him about anything. I'd just leave it to whatever other teams are around. And yeah. I mean, if, if, if... If you look at, at all the available resources on, uh, you know, I, my my favorite is generalfanager.com. but yeah. if you look at the at the salary cap and who's restricted and who's unrestricted on the current Bruins team, uh, th- there's a lot of work for Don Sweeney to do this summer. Oh yeah, and to and to think about adding him and all those other variables. It just doesn't make sense. Now the team might. A, a lot of fans have, um, have have reached out to me and said that the team does in fact have cap space, but just because the team has cap space doesn't mean that they're going to be able to do it for year and year to come. Yeah, but you got to think three years down the line when guys like Vetrano need their next contract, or you you've got guys like Pastanak who in. I think next year's his last year of his entry level. Yes. So you you got Pastanak who's been playing top six minutes, who's going to need a top six contract or at least a bridge deal. You're looking at three mil for a bridge deal, probably five million for a full contract. Like you got to think, if you sign a guy like that for nine nine to ten million, you're going to lose Pastanak. You maybe going to lose other key guys in the team. You you just can't do it. You gotta you gotta build a full team with the cap space you've got, but also look to the future and see who you've got coming up that you've got to sign. Like Krug needs signing this season. He's probably gonna take a good chunk of it. You've got other guys like if Subban actually makes the jump to the NHL level, then he's gonna need a contract signing. And so we just. We've we've only just got ourselves out of cap jail this season right. with the trades that were made. There's no point in sending us back when everyone wanted Chirelli's head for the fact that he put us in cap jail. So, no, I think we keep as much space as we can and we use that for deadline trades. Yeah, you, I mean, uh, having, having flexibility 
is is huge in the NHL today and 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 I I feel in my opinion that the Bruins get stuck so many times because they're they're always up against it. Yeah, well look at look at uh, the Andrew Ladd trade this season. No one expected that at the beginning of the season. But halfway through the year when all the contracts were being like arranged and they realized they couldn't afford him, he gets traded out and he got traded out pretty cheap for what he is. So you could look next season, we could be in a playoff picture and a, a player like that becomes available. We have the the room to trade for them and re-sign them. So it's no longer a rental deal. It's actually you're bringing in a player who's going to stay. So when, you, when you're when cap restricted, you're looking at bringing in players for rental and you lose out on your picks and you lose out on a player at the end of the season. Whereas when we've got space, we can trade for them players and keep them. So... You just got to look at it that way. We need we need space to be able to do deals, uh, and really, if you if you're going to stick yourself back in cap jail, then it's going to take two, three, maybe four years to get back out again. So that's a good point. Um, it just it just you know touching on a lot of fans <clears throat> and what they express about that is uh, they want a splash. They want something big to happen. Um, for this Bruins team, and and they they a lot of people think that maybe an acquisition of a player of, of this caliber is is what it needs. But I I feel that this team needs a few assets instead of just one guy that 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 for that splash material or that or that or that change that people seem to think that. I mean, I, I'm all for change, but I don't think it's going to come from one guy. No, uh, I've been saying all season, with the decor, you're looking at probably two guys there. You need a you need a top two right D-men, and then you're probably looking to swap Seidenberg for someone younger. So that that's two guys there just to try and solidify the back end. And then up front, you're looking for someone to play in the top, uh, top line right wing. So that's another player so it's not it's not going to come from one guy one guy's not going to change how this team plays or how we do with uh, against other teams it's got to be it's a team game it comes from everyone so you need to solidify depth and have that have the players in the right places you can't just go for this one guy and go right that's it team fixed we're making the playoffs because it won't happen right all right so now uh talking defense um, yep. and and our need to um, bulk up and 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 fill those uh, gaps that uh, have been missing for uh, a better part of two years. Um, Jimmy Jimmy Murphy from um, Murphy's Law, uh, DirtyWaterMedia.com, uh, wrote an article uh, Friday the thirteenth about the possibility that. Uh, a defenseman like Kevin Shattenkirk was very close to being a Bruin. Um, I'm curious uh, how you feel about something like that. And I'm also really curious about the, the asking price that, that Murph um, said in his article. Uh, I, I believe that that was a good deal. Yeah, I believe it was as well, but also... I, I can see why we kept hold of Ericsson because you look at Shattenkirk and for a lot of a lot of Bruins fans that haven't watched Blues games unless it's against the Bruins, Shattenkirk's the type of D-man who's going to roam all around the offensive zone. He's not he's not a shutdown D-man in any way. He's a two-way guy. He's he's going to go deep into the zone, and if you haven't got players covering him, he's a liability at some points. So I can see why they wanted to keep Ericsson because he's that defensive-minded forward and there's still the chance of re-signing him. But at the same time, when I looked at that deal, it it seemed like a good deal to, to take at the time, really. Yeah, there's, so, a, there's a lot of people that are on the fence about Shattenkirk. Um, my buddy Daryl, that I uh, talk to a lot on social media, uh, he's, he's basically said the same thing, that you know he, he leaves himself... Uh, a huge liability when he when he does pinch in deep offensively. 
Um, yeah. But he's, I mean, in 72 games last season, he's got 14 goals, 30, 30 assists, and 44 points. Um, six power play goals. I mean, those are good numbers for um, for a defenseman. And oh, it, it, he's definitely a force offensively. But the uh, the minus definitely. the minus 14 is yeah. kind of. Um, and I know people don't like the plus minus. I I actually do because it kind of, it kind of tells you what kind of player they are when they're on the ice and. You know, it's just one of those cool stats to me. Yeah, you look at you look at the fact that a, a lot of writers say uh, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron are the kings of the plus minus because every season the the plus twenty plus thirty. So when it when it shows that a line has chemistry and they can work with D pairs and bring them up, it it just shows that they are quality players. If you've got a guy who's like minus fifty six career, like wasn't that Ovechkin one year? Uh, yeah, <laughs> th- this is what I'm saying. You look at you look at Ovechkin, and in past years he's been dreadful. This year he's something else. But uh, like players like that, you that's that blemish. You you look at them and you think they're a complete player, but you see that little blemish, and it is. It is one of them things. If if you're saying plus minus doesn't matter, then you're 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 the one that's going to be complaining when they're on the ice when someone scores against them, or they make the mistake where someone scores against them. Kevin Miller's one of them guys. Like you, you look at him at the beginning of the season when he was having a good good run of things. He was, I think it was plus twelve or plus thirteen for the first twenty games, and then by the end of the season he was a minus four, I think, and that just shows how much he dipped as the season went along. So it is what I I do like that stat, but at the same time, I can see why people say it gets a bit confusing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> to me, it's a production stat. You know what I mean? It's, it's what you do yeah. on the ice as, as a, as a core, as, as, as a team of five, you know, yeah. on your shift. But, you know, it's a, one of those that you take a leave, but um, I I think he's I think he's good. I think he play a good um, Bruins style game, and and I gotta be honest, I, the asking price wasn't bad. I mean, Erickson and uh, San Jose's first round pick. But do you know what the best thing about that article is? That it said that it set the groundwork, like. There's still groundwork there that we know that the Blues are about a, a bit iffy about Shattenkirk and his he, asking price, what it'll be. So there's still groundwork there to be done. So maybe maybe if we throw in a, a different player with that first-round pick, we may still get him. So it's it's not a dead deal yet until, for me, until the beginning of next season. No deal that we went for last season is a dead deal because there's still groundwork there. So, and what I what I like about the Shattenkirk thing, and and it's it's about money, is um, that he's still got term on his current deal, which yeah. is only a year. But that gives, I believe, that gives a team like the Bruins some um, you know, leverage on negotiation time. Oh yeah, because he's he's not coming here on a fresh contract, right? So. If if you traded for his rights, he's coming to a new team. We don't know how he's going to fit in. Whereas if he comes and plays for a season, we might be. If if he doesn't have a great season, you've got that opportunity to give him a bridge contract if he likes the team. Well, I like those bridge deals. So yeah, that that's the thing. If you if you've got a player for a year and he has a bit of an iffy year, but you can see something in him, like we have done with Krug in the past. Yes. You, you give them that bridge deal. You give them one, maybe two years to prove that they deserve that top money. Then give them the top money if they perform. And you, you've seen it with Krug this season. He struggled a bit, but he's uh, he's tied for assist lead on the team. Uh, he's done really good to say that he's been pushed into a top four role quite a bit. So bridge deals really, really are good for our team because... The what's going to keep that cap available for other players? So, I I just like the flexibility of a bridge deal. It's like you know you're not you're not 100 percent committed 
on yeah. on a certain player. You have options, um, and you, you know, I just deals like that are ones that like we believe in you. We want to see what you can do yeah. before before we commit fully. So I mean, I mean, it, it brings me back to Dougie Hamilton um, and players like himself that came off of a three year entry level deal and then immediately um, expected uh, an eight million dollar contract. Oh yeah, that, I just that, I found that kind of ridiculous. That was absolutely stupid of him. Like, it, offering to take a bridge deal is the best thing because if he'd have offered to take a bridge deal, he'd probably have got more than he was asking for at this deal later on down the line right. if he'd approved himself. But because he hasn't, now he's stuck in Calgary. So, I don't but, know. But even, just... even, even if he asked for that money and... You know, probably would have gotten it. I'm not sure about the term, the the the, the longevity of the uh, the deal, but um, you got to think that other teams, if they sent him a qualifying offer, I mean, I'm not sure it, um, if you can do that under restricted status. I believe yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, you can. You but, you know, if another team came in and said, you know, we'll give you that money, I mean, that remains to be seen, but... I, I just don't like the idea of a young player setting the, the tone of, of a career on 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 your status in the past three years under an entry level deal. That I Yeah. I don't that's know. what that's why when, when fans talk about like the trades like Sagan going and Kessel going and stuff, I don't put Hamilton in that because Hamilton dug his own grave with that. With yeah, that oh, yeah, yeah. A player like yeah. Dougie Hamilton did that to himself. Yeah, he drove himself out of Boston. He didn't. Right. He didn't like. He didn't leave he, Boston because yeah. of stupidity. He didn't want to stay here. He just he wanted money. That was the main thing. Like when you bring up Sagan, yeah, that whole deal was just dumb. Yeah. I mean, how could you be a general manager and just walk away from a player like that? It's, oh yeah. I don't. It, I don't get. And and you could say that. Oh, I mean, he's going to want to get paid as soon as. But the guy was under a deal for like I think his. His current contract it, it, is um, over in twenty twenty one. Yeah, he's still got. That's like what three are you years, doing? Two years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, he, I mean, Chirelli definitely pulled the the Mike Milbury on that one. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely, definitely got to tighten up on defense. Um, I'm really not sure what the bees' role is this summer is going to be and what avenues they're going to to explore on trying to get that defense uh, tightened up. But there's a there's a lot of um, – I'm not overly impressed with the free agent class this year. No. And if that's something that the Bruins want to do, uh, especially the unrestricted um, class of defensemen, I don't see them making any big moves. No, I I see it. the only way it's going to happen is by trade in my eyes. Uh, I I don't see anyone out there who's. I mean, you could if you could get two or three guys to kind of fix the bottom four guys, but you you're not going to bring anyone in to help Chara through free agency. That's going to have to be a trade guy for that top role. So uh, I think. I, I've actually, through the, the four guys that are usually mentioned, like uh, Truba, Dumber, Brodeen, those, uh, Vatanen as well, those guys are available for trade. Well, he's said they're available for trade through a lot of rumours, but there's also, I've got three other guys that aren't mentioned that much, and one of them I know you absolutely love, uh, Luke Shen. Ah, that's my boy. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I got as a, as a, as a diehard Bruins fan, I have to have a West team that I kind of root for, yeah. and, and the LA Kings are my West team because the fact is that um, the American Hockey League franchise was located in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is only forty miles um, travel from me. So yeah. uh, since two thousand and one, I've been a diehard, um, <coughs> well, you know, uh, uh, AHL fan. And uh, yeah. I do follow the Kings, but 
I've seen his game transfer into something really good since he was acquired by the um, the Kings. Yeah, he he needed needed a change of scenery. He's one of them players where he, he was just down on his luck in Philly. He he couldn't get going again. When he had a slump, he couldn't get out of it, and he he just needed that trade. And as soon as he was traded, you saw his game change totally. He he went back to being a physical player. He went back to just shutting teams down and being a really good top four D man. Yeah, and and I believe, I mean, I kind of, I don't know. I mean, the Kings are are up against it too. Are up against the cap hit too. Yeah. So that might be a player that might sneak under, um, because he's you know. He's just getting done. July 1st will be the end of his five-year deal. And yep. he is currently making... His cap hit is uh, is 3.6, which is... That's that's cap-friendly, in my opinion. That is cheap as hell. If, if he plays like he has been in LA, that is such a cheap deal for that player. And I, I, like, think. I like the age, too. Yeah, he's 26. Yes, 26. So he's... He's not. I wouldn't even say he's near his prime yet. He's still got what ten more years in him. Just he's one of them players that I'd love to see them sign because if you look at any like if you look at a lot of the younger D men and guys like Truber and him, you look at them and you think that's that's a Bruins kind of D man. That's yeah, like exactly, a, exactly a young a younger Bonnie, uh, Johnny Boychuk. That's yep. what it reminds me of. Great Straight comparison. Away. Yeah. Uh, so. I, 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 I like I, I like his toughness. I like his game. Um, I really uh, was um, paying attention this year to um, what I call a net front presence in the defensive zone. Yeah. He, like, if, if we were to acquire a player like that, I believe that he is the, is the guy that gets the traffic away from a goaltender like Rask. Let's, yeah, it let's, just... Let's the player see what's coming at him instead of being screened all the time. Yeah, which seems to me he was he was clearing everyone out of the net for yeah. them. He was to say that he's not that tall a guy. Uh, I think he's only six foot, but he's quite a big boy. So he he was just putting his body over him and just getting him straight out, and then letting the goalie see every shot that was coming. So that's the kind of D man we need. We don't need this like zone type defense we need a guy like him to just be out front clear the net let Ras see everything that's coming to him so yeah i've got two more demon that i'm that i haven't seen a lot of people talk about but could be available the other one is tyler myers from winnipeg wow because everyone is talking about uh, Truba being the guy that will be traded because they don't have the cap space. But with Myers still having... He's... I think he's got a year left on his deal. Uh, I think he could be a guy that they might get rid of and let Truba be that top D-man. So you could watch out for him. I think he might go somewhere. And... Uh, Ryan Ellis from Nashville. I haven't seen a lot of talk about him recently. That's a that's a very very interesting one. I like I like Ryan Ellis, and yeah. uh, he comes from a very strong defensive core in Nashville. Um, yeah. and, uh, I believe he's right behind um, uh, Shea Weber. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he's he plays a good good game. Yeah, he is. He's one of them guys. You look at him and you think, "Oh, he's a very offensive-minded D-man. He's he's not that big." But then when you watch him play, he actually plays like a bit, like he's in a different person's body. And he'll he's, throw and, himself around. And so. he definitely plays a different game than, uh, like you mentioned on Shattenkirk, that likes to pinch down low in the offensive zone and kind of be vulnerable to. Uh, to mistakes he he's a totally different type of offensive defenseman oh yeah he's a he's one of them he, he loves his shot from the point he's more of a more of a cannon player he'll he'll stand center of the blue line wait for a pass and just put it on net every time so he's he's really a a weapon 
to use on the power play. And to say that we've been using Krejci on the point all season for the first power play unit, it could be good to have a guy like that who can hit the net pretty much every shot. So uh, he's he's one that I'm looking out for, but I'd really like him to go after Shen if it was any of them. Yeah, I think he's going to be the cap friendly one out of all of them. So, and the best Bruins type D man that we need. So, uh, this this next one I'm kind of on the boards with. Um, uh, it's it's a good cap number uh, for a potential uh, Bruins contract, and it's got his age is getting up there, but uh, I think he still could play a very effective game, and that's uh, Jason Demers with the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I've mentioned him a few times, and I really like his play. He's one of them guys that could probably step up and play alongside Chara and take a few minutes off him. Right. But at the same time, he has his shaky moments. He has like, he has a couple of games where he looked more like a top four, top six guy instead of being that top two guy. But for the for the price you're gonna put, pay the guy. Uh, if you can get if you can get a tandem of like him and Shen, you can share them top two minutes. You can swap them, so you they're basically playing less minutes, but actually they're having more ice time. So I I'd love to see a guy like Demers come because he is experienced. He's not one of the younger players. He's more of a veteran. Uh, he's the type of guy we need instead of going after what seems like we have been doing with younger players but yeah with those um the entry level deals and yeah. so on you know just to stay under the cap yeah so but you got, you've also got to remember it looks like we're going to have to give a space to Colin Miller next season so I'm, I, I'm not I'm not uh, you know I'm not going to trash that idea yeah so whether he plays a top two or a top four pairing, I don't see it happening. I see him more playing the bottom role. Right, and work his way up. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I, it's for me, what I'd like to do is if, if you're going to keep Chara, and I'm, I'm not going to jump on the whole trade Chara, you know, I mean, I'd like to yeah. see his, I'd like to see him move for the, just for the point of his cap. And, yeah, and yeah. the cap flexibility that, um, that money could do for other players, but if you're gonna keep him and he's gonna stay here until he retire, until he his his uh, contract expires, I want to see the team be aggressive in getting players that can play with him. Yeah, yeah, and and I believe players like we talked about Shen, Demers, and uh, who was who was your other one? Uh, Myers. Myers, Tyler Myers. I mean, that, look at those two. That's like the twin towers right there. Yeah, both set, both over seven feet tall. Both, <laughs> it, can you imagine a pairing of like Myers and Chara? You, you wouldn't want to go into the boards with them two being about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that's that's just that that's um, uh, intimidating right there. Yeah. You cross that blue line, you know something's gonna happen. Yeah, it brings that fear factor back to where we were that team that they hated coming to play at the Garden and they hated playing against our bigger players. So Exactly. It, what they've been saying is, oh, we're going back to the style of the Big Bad Bruins and we want to gain size. You look at a guy like Myers and that is the perfect guy for them, really. Like If you look at Shen as well, he's a big guy, nasty player, so... I think that's the type of guys they'll go after rather than going after guys like Vatanen and Ellis. I don't think they'll think offensive-minded. I think they just they really want that shut-down bruiser role back on the blue line. Something's got to give because of the the product on the on the on the six decor that go out there every game for the past two years has just been, in my opinion, pathetic. Yeah. I mean, Definitely. I mean, I mean, teams just seem like they 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 have so much information on this Bruins team, and they're well equipped when they when they're ready to play, and they they expose really nasty weaknesses that other teams are jumping on. Yeah, and they they just show it every game. They'll they'll show one mistake that they're constantly doing and doing and doing, and then by the second period, and the other teams picked up on it, and then they just go to town on us look at look at the anaheim game 
like when they just absolutely destroyed us all the mistakes were defensive mistakes the there were rarely any bad plays by the forwards so something's gotta gotta change on that blue line and it it can't just be one thing i i think i, I think you've got to get rid of a guy like seidenberg unfortunately because he has been a great brewing but I think we've got to get rid of him. We've got to bring in guys with fresh legs, guys who are going to hit and be mean on the board. So, something's got to change totally. Yeah, and <coughs> at this point, I mean, I'm I'm kind of looking for any replacement for a guy like Kevin Miller. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, good for him. He made the team, and he's and he's playing that role, but. I mean, there's a lot of and in his second half, I gotta I gotta give him credit. The second half of his season was much better than the first. Yeah. I mean, the 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 turnovers would, I mean, the no look passes in your defensive zone and you give up the puck up. I saw it so many times. It was just like, man, this is not, this is not what an NHL defenseman should be doing. And but hey, well, and then you sit and then you you send Colin Miller down to Providence. Yeah. Which I'm not saying. You know, Colin Miller is 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 the greatest defenseman in the league, and he's gonna you know the next um, to Bobby Orr, but you gotta give opportunities and time to players like him to get used to at this level. I mean, Colin Miller, his only NHL experience has been with the Bruins. I yeah. don't I don't believe he has one game when he was with the Kings organization. No, uh, he played his first NHL game with the Bruins at the beginning of the season. So. Okay, so I mean, I, I, it, you traded for him. You got an asset. You, you, you created more depth at D with him. I don't understand why you're not using him. I think a lot of it was we got stuck with having so many players in the organization. Someone who wasn't on waivers had to go down. Uh, no, no, so, that's, that's a good point. I forgot about that. So, with Colin Miller being the only D-man that wasn't affected by waivers, I think that's one of the reasons he went down. But also, you had guys like Kampainen, <laughs> who was still up at the time that he went down, who I'd have happily waved him and kept Colin Miller up. I can't believe... You know what? We're going to talk about that soon. Yep. But, um... <clears throat> I... <sighs> Yeah, it's just sometimes. I mean, you sit here and you do the you do the uh, the armchair GM kind of. You know, what would you I would do? have done this? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's like it, you kind of think to yourself, it's like, what direction is this team going in? Um, and I, I'm not gonna beat on the on a dead horse that I'm not a fan of of Don Sweeney so far. I give him a solid D, a D minus. In yeah. his decisions in his first year, but you saw you saw some some pretty bad weaknesses on the defense this year, and you and they didn't do anything to to recoup. And not, yeah. not, not only that, but what about players that have that have left, like Johnny Boychuk and um, oh, and yeah. other players that they just have they still haven't got a replacement for those types of players. So yeah. It- when you look at guys like that and with Boychuk being the player that he was that's a big hole to fill because it's not just it's not just getting that player that can play it's also getting that guy who protected the entire team gave up his body to block shots he was all about the Bruins so you've got to go out and get that guy who wants to be all about the Bruins and it's just impossible to find unless you develop them, and you're not going to see that player for the next four to five years, probably. So that's that's it, the gamble you take. Yeah, it definitely is. But uh, you mentioned Kempinen. Yeah. Um, recently, uh, rumored that he is uh, bolting for the KHL. Apparently I, confirmed. I read something today that it was confirmed. I wrote an article. Deal. I wrote an article on Thursday about it and at that time um it wasn't it wasn't uh, confirmed it was still a rumor but i'm pretty sure uh the bruins are, are ready to walk away from that yeah uh 44 games in the nhl uh, technically it, it is his rookie season 
Uh, he's I believe he's 28. Um, I I just I I honestly don't. Yeah, I there's a lot of people that when I talked to at the beginning of the season they were they were they were loving this guy just for the fact that it's that he was over six feet, he was over 200 pounds, but. I mean, there's a lot more to uh, a hockey player's game than just size. You got to add a little bit of skill too. See, I I was one of them guys at the beginning of the season. I was actually looking forward to him coming, having watched him play some games in his old team in the Finnish what, Elite League, right? Yeah. So I I watched when I heard that he was coming. I watched some game tape of him. I watched how he played, and he played a totally different game. In Europe than he did with the Bruins, absolutely. And you and you and you definitely see that because you're a smart uh, hockey fan overall, not just a, not just a, uh, you know bias on the on the Bruins, but when you look at a player and you do personal evaluations, you have to consider the game, the difference in ice size. It is huge. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You, in Europe, when they when they do the, um, I believe it's. Uh, two hundred and ten by ninety. Yeah. Um, you you have opportunities to showcase your skills on open ice like that, and you get more of an offensive game. And when you come to the North America side of the of the coin, you're playing two hundred by eighty five, and yeah. and it it seems there's a lot of ice, but it seems tight. Yeah. It. The they call it call it narrow land hockey. Like when a lot of European uh, European players talk about it, because even though it's only a small amount of change, w- when you stood on the ice, it is a big difference. Like it changes your entire game. The you'll see with a lot of European hockey that it's played off the pucks played off the boards a lot, and it's chip plays, and you've got a lot more room to skate, so passes are more into open spaces. Whereas with the NHL, it's not. You, that's why they talk about tape-to-tape passes more, because you haven't got as much room, and you're more likely to receive a suicide pass, turn around, and get your head taken off. <laughs> that's so true. So you you can see it when European players come over. It you've seen it with uh, Panarin a few times this season, where he's turned and just been hit because he thinks he's got open space and he doesn't, and it's because when you come in from the European game to the American game, completely different story. And when you look at Campanen, he was good with them open spaces and he could move around a lot better. And I just think, I think the fact that when he came over here, he struggled and then that kind of put him in that little bit of a rut and he couldn't get out of it. And then I think by the time he did get out of it, he was in the AHL and he was kind of, it was kind of already done. They they already wanted rid of him, so I, I'm not I'm really not surprised it's over with this fast. And and so. and, and to give him some kind of credit, um, I I wasn't a big fan, like I said earlier about um, his his roster spot, but um, he was no Bergeron, but he did have some pretty good um, faceoff. Uh, percentage numbers yeah so i mean Uh, to give him any credit uh you know that's probably what got him in the nhl yeah even at the beginning of the season they were saying he was that guy who could win crucial like defensive zone face-offs and it took it kind of gave bergeron a break at the beginning of the season where he wasn't having to double shift and take face-offs in his own zone so it it did help out, but at the same time, if you're taking up a roster spot, look look more towards a Providence player than like you you could have given Kolkhlechev that spot at the beginning of the season, right? So, and I, I'm not going to go over it for ten minutes about the whole fact that Kolkhlechev only gets one game call ups, and that's why all the people don't like him. But it, you could have given him what twenty thirty games. Yeah. Then seeing what he was like, so yeah. you gave an opportunity. You gave forty-four games to to Kampainen. Yeah, I mean, take a chance. I, I that's, that's one thing that frustrates me about this this Bruins organization is the the lack of faith in in younger talent. 
I yeah, mean, I, definitely. It's just it, it frustrates me to the to the. You know. That's why I can understand the little outburst he had, but at the same time, it shouldn't have been done with the media. It should have been. I, I agree. I agree. Face to face conversations. Leave the media out of it. You have a problem with the organization. Bring it up to the hierarchy. You know, yeah, I mean, because uh, didn't Sweeney say that he hadn't even heard like that this was going on until he read it in the media? Right. So it was, it was so, media driven. Yeah. So the fact at the same time, you know, the media are going to hype everything up. Oh, exactly. And, and, I, you, and I, you know, ne Boston. I never see, and I, I never saw one time a quote of what he'd actually said. So it was more, this has been said, and it wasn't in quotation. It was just, oh, he's frustrated at this and he's frustrated at that. So at the end of it, it might not be what he said, but at the same time, you don't bring it up with the media. You bring it up with your boss. Yeah, because it, it definitely makes it makes you look bad. Yeah, you know, you you don't have any leverage and any negotiations at all once you say something like that. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah. Ah, uh, where do we go from here? Oh, you know what? I, you know what I wanted to talk about was um, uh, you brought it up and and thank you for reminding me. Was it was a, a quick a quick uh insight on uh, a player like Jacob Truba? And and what, what what's your opinion on what it would take to get somebody like him? Because I'm not sure if if the um, if the Winnipeg Jets are going to be able to resign him. So, guy, you, with Truba, you've got to look at what Winnipeg need. So you can't just say, "Oh, Ryan Spoon is a great player. Let's send him over," because they might be stacked at centre spot. So what's the point in giving him a centre? So you have to look at them and think, right, what do they need? What makes sense for that swap to actually happen? So first of all, you you guaranteed a first-round pick no matter what. He's a future top-two guy. You're guaranteed to have to give up a first-round pick, whether it's from this year or next year. Like, this year is going to have more value to it. Next year, it depends on what the draft class is going to be like. So... You guarantee giving up a first-round pick. Then you've got to go into Winnipeg looking. I think they're talking about they want a top six winger. I think it was to replace Andrew Ladd. So I don't know. You're probably looking at a guy like Vetrano. But are you willing to give that up? Exactly. It's it, it, the pros and cons of deals like this are, are what is most intriguing to me. Um, are you, are you, you know, what does Winnipeg need? Um, in my opinion, goaltending. And would you, would you give a first round, uh, a position player and, uh, a prospect like, uh, Subban? Uh, well, when you look at it like that, that's two first round picks, basically. Exactly. So is is this player worth two first-round picks? That's what you've got to decide. And is this player worth a guy that we haven't even tested? Because you can't you can't say Subban's been tested off one game. No. And any anyone who says that he's a failure already because of that one game, like that's just stupid. Because look at Brian Elliott in the playoffs: eleven shots, four goals. Mm-hmm. Subban had 11 shots, three goals, and he's a rookie. Right. So for a veteran to have that type of game and then blame a rookie for his first ever NHL game. And imagine imagine now someone said to you, right, you got to suit up for this NHL game you're going to be playing. You'd, you'd be so nervous you wouldn't know what you're doing. And to say that you're playing in net and you're that, it's one of the hardest positions to play because not only is it a physical position, it's totally mental. You're battling your own thoughts in your head constantly with whatever's happening. So the fact that he's nervous just adds up to it. So he needs to be tested, I think. He needs to stay. We need to give him a season at backup, whether that's next season, if he's fit for it, 
or the season after, he needs to have a full season in Boston. So I wouldn't give him up. Oh. He um he definitely uh, turned my thoughts this season um, after starting the, the beginning of the year in Providence on the shelf uh, the first month uh, due to a lower body injury. Uh, came back in, in November, um, uh, late November, early December, and, and really didn't impress me at all. I kind of was like, okay, here we go. This is the Subban of, of the prior two seasons. Yeah. But the game I saw in from him uh, in late December and the team in general, because the team in general from from December to the end of the year went on a tremendous run to yeah. work their way up to the um, uh, Atlantic Division standings. And and he was he was on fire. I mean, he the guy went like I believe eight straight games uh, with a, a nice nice winning streak. Yeah. And then the unfortunate thing happened with the the uh, fractured larynx um, in Portland, Maine, uh, yeah. in uh, warmups from um, Seth Griffith, a shot from him. So I'm kind of wondering, what, you know, I, I'm a constant evaluator of these guys and. I see the potential in him, but I also just don't think he's ready. And, and also, also, real quick, I don't think he's ready for that type of role when he's only going to see ice like once every two weeks. Yeah. See, this this is why I said whether it's next, this season coming or the season after, because I believe they need to give him one more full season, fully healed, let him rest over the summer. I'd I'd bring him to training camp, but I'd look at guys like McIntyre for games and Jeremy Smith for games if he's re-signed. Because, to be honest, with what I said about Jeremy Smith being that AHL starter, you looked at Svedberg, and Svedberg was exactly the same. He was that guy that everyone said, Subban's the guy that's going to be better than him and everything so maybe give jeremy smith a try next season beginning the next season there's always there is always goaltenders available in free agency for months and months after the season starts right so to be honest either suban or jeremy smith the backup role next season because it doesn't like look like gustafson's gonna be back I, uh, yeah, I I'm hearing some some weird stuff about that. That they they, I mean, I thought he was a a serviceable backup. Yeah, um, I, I, I believe thought that if he the was team, guaranteed the job. Yeah, I believe if the team got tightened up a little better, I mean, he would have had a better season. But yeah. you know, I mean, I I, for me personally, I really just like his NHL experience. I don't like yeah. I don't like riding the wave of um, entry level deals or or minor minor professional two you know, two-way contracts uh, just to stay under the cap and, and fill a position. But, mm. you know, I, I, I kind of want somebody that's going to step in there and you know it's going to have a good game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's why guys like Chad Johnson are interesting if he hits free agency again. Like, I bring Chad Johnson back, but do you want to give up on Jeremy Smith and then leave Subban and McIntyre in the AHL, which is probably the best idea. Or do you want to give Jeremy Smith one year, see what he's like, and then give Subban the job? It's just, it. it's a difficult position to be in, knowing that we have that solidified number one spot and we're searching for that perfect backup because a lot of other teams are searching for that number one guy but have a good backup. Right. So it, it's one of them, it's a good position to be in because we already have that starting goaltender. But you have to have a good backup behind him because he's got to win games. And, so, and, and you have to provide rest. You have to provide rest to your starting goaltender too. Oh yeah, which we have we haven't done for the past two seasons. So no, it's, you can't you can't expect a guy to appear in seventy seventy five games every year, and and you know even if you did make the, uh, a, a Stanley Cup playoff appearance, um, he's going to be dead. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, exactly. 
But uh, I, uh, I, I like Jeremy Smith. I really do. I, I, I hope he gets resigned. Um, maybe another two, two-way, one-year deal uh, would be beneficial. But I, 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 again, I, I think I might have said this in a, in a podcast or two ago. I don't believe that the organization has faith in him. Yeah. So just for the pure fact that he was loaned to Iowa. Yeah, and the the was it Ginn that was yeah, brought up? Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so you know, real quick, beginning of the year, Subban was on the shelf for a month. Yeah. And he wasn't recalled back to Providence. He stayed in Iowa for that. And then they called up Matt Ginn from the East Coast Hockey League's Atlanta uh, Gladiators. Yeah. So, and then it was kind of weird that when Subban got the fractured uh, throat injury, that they brought him. They back. brought him back. Yeah. And I mean, when you loan a player to another team because you want to keep him playing and going, it to me it just doesn't show a lot of faith. Yeah, and, and that, that could hold uh, a lot of leverage in uh, in in the contract negotiations that are going to happen, uh, bef- uh, potentially before July first. Well, yeah, you, but with a guy like Smith, you guaranteed he's only going to be a two-way contract. Like there is no way he's getting a one-way deal. Right. So at least as that, you can sign him and keep him or loan him out or whatever because it looks like a lot of other teams would be interested in him seeing he is a serviceable AHL goalie so it's whether you want to lose him because he's not going to be around in free agency for long so and he's, and he's another goaltender in the in the goaltending depth uh, that is not yet played in NHL game yeah so, so. it's tough that's a, it's a, goaltending is a huge gamble. I mean, you're a goaltender. <clears throat> I was a goaltender. Um, we, we we both know that um, it, it takes a while for for a, um, a netminder to to fully mature and 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 show his real skills. Yeah. I mean, you could honestly have a goaltender from the age of 18 years old, and he's not going to show what he has until he's 27. Yeah. You know, so. It's all on how you build um, uh, around them. You train them. You coach them. You know, it's it's a lot of work. Well, look at um, Andrew Hammond for Ottawa. Great example. He, everyone thought everyone went when he came up thought he was a young kid because they never heard of him before. He'd never been in the NHL. No one ever knew who he was, and he come up and he he was twenty seven when he got his first NHL game. So. He's another one of them, them goalies that just shows it. It takes a long time to be able to show that you can play in the NHL, and you just got to be patient with him because if you give up on him, it's just like another Michael Hutchinson or someone like that that you just. Well, it's like Toronto giving up on Rass, really, isn't it? So yeah, for for Andrew Raycroft, exactly. I was. I, I mean, I was. I was. I was. I was so happy when that happened. I, yeah. I, I was following Rask when he was um, when he was in the uh, what they call the junior um, leagues in the uh, in the Finnish. Yeah. Uh, and I was happy that Toronto got him, um, but when when that trade happened, man, I was ecstatic because I already knew a bunch of a bunch about him, and you know I, I still believe in him even though he's he's not doing well. Yeah. I'll... I'll defend him until the end because I know how good a goal he is and I know how when when you see a goal go in and a lot of people go, oh, that's definitely the goaltender's fault. When you're a goaltender and you look at that situation, you go, nope. <laughs> like, right. The, you, look, you look at it and you see like five passes happen before the goal and you go, there is no way that is the goaltender's fault. Right. But when you don't play that position, sometimes you don't see what we see. So it is one of them situations. We probably don't see what forwards see as well. So, Oh, yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> All right. So 
we've uh we've pretty much talked for an hour now so i think um we're gonna call it a podcast yeah uh i again really appreciate you coming aboard uh talking some hockey yeah um, no worries hopefully sooner or later we um uh could get Derek uh back on the show on a regular basis and 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 i'd really like to see all three of us work together i think yeah, that'd be, i think be that'd good. be a lot of fun yeah so definitely um uh, thank you everybody for listening and um, uh, Rob I really appreciate coming on no worries. I'll talk to you uh, uh, during the week about maybe uh, coming back next week yeah maybe talk, that'd be great. Uh, talk some draft stuff some uh, potential oh. Bruins picks yeah definitely that'd be fun alright bud well thank you All very right. much and uh, I'll talk to you soon yeah have a good one take care everybody alright bye for tuning in to the black and gold hockey podcast please join us next week for another discussion of bruins hockey related material